I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live on this Monday, and we have a lot of uh, just great interviews lined up. I mean, April is looking so good, so I'm excited. I'm excited that you're here. And today, boy, I tell you what, talk about an interesting story. Uh, how do you go from uh, being born and raised in a Muslim home, being a Muslim yourself, to becoming a Christian? That can be uh that can be a thing, right? Well, today's guest did exactly that. And interestingly, he uh, is a doctor. And when I say doctor in this context, I mean a medical doctor. So we're talking about someone who is trained, someone who is obviously has uh, you know intelligence, uh, and someone who values truth and, and something you can prove, right? Uh, and so... I'm going to take you on a little journey. Our guest is going to take you on a little journey from Islam to Christianity. Dr. Mark Christian is my guest. His book just came out. It's called The Apostate, which uh, hints at some of the, uh, frankly, in some cases, not all cases, but in some cases, the, the danger of becoming a Christian. Dr. Christian, welcome to Life Today Live. Thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be with you and with your uh listeners and to everybody who's watching today. So let's kind of go back to the beginning. Take us back to Cairo, Egypt, and, and give us a little background as to how you were raised and the, you know, the faith you were raised in, the home you were raised in. I understand your father is an imam as well. Is that correct? That is true. Uh, so let's start by saying that uh, my name when I was born uh, was not Mark or Christian. <laughs> my, my name was Mohammed. And uh, my last name was Abdullah, which uh, translates to Muhammad, which is the founder of Islam. And Abdullah means the slave of Allah. Oh. And uh, that was actually happens to be the exact name of the prophet of Islam, first and last uh, name. And uh, this is, was like exactly that. And, and it happens to be like uh, lots of Muslims try to, uh, uh, you know, name their kids that way. So they would... Uh, grow to be an example of Muhammad and so forth. And, sure. But my, my story is a little bit uh, different. So I have to go back a little bit even before I was born to talk about my dad and my family uh, from my dad's side. And uh, my, my father, as you mentioned, he is a, is a preacher. He started very early on uh, when he was in, you know, just uh, first year in his middle school, uh, seventh grade, uh, and he joined the, the organization Muslim Brotherhood. And he's coming from a very religious background, and he got involved in the Islamic movement very early on. And uh, years, you know, after, you know, this is the legacy that I was born into, uh, a, a family that is very religious, Muslim religious, uh, a father who is very active in the Muslim community, very, very active to the level that he uh, wrote 19 books um, preaching about Islam. He built um, seven Islamic, uh, uh, nine Islamic schools and uh, three uh, big mosques, you know, that they are in different locations across uh, Egypt. And uh, he was very well known on TV on and making VHS, you know, videos, you know, back in the day, I don't know, if you know that some of the listeners don't know what VHS is, videos and stuff like that about Islamic preachings and how to do the rituals and so forth. 
So this is a kind of a household. I, I, my dad also is a physician. He's an OBGYN. He came from nothing. He came really from the countryside and he was able to build himself up. Uh, and he was in the military. So I grew up in a, in a kind of very rounded home that kind of give you a sense of really the, the, the core of the Middle East very involved politically, very involved religiously, very involved uh, in the culture altogether. And I'm the firstborn. By the age of five, I uh, uh, there's an incident that I actually mentioned in the book about me, you know, going to a movie uh, with my mother, uh, against my father as well, actually behind his back, basically. And uh, when we get back, you know, I got punished for it. And I want people to understand that in Islam, it is forbidden uh, any kind of entertainment is forbidden, uh, music, TV, and all of that stuff. And I and I explained in details, and I would answer the question, how come there is in, entertainers who are Muslims in America and so forth? So you, you will see that in the book. But anyway, after I got punished, this is when I was really immersed in the teachings of Islam. I, I did not look at it as a, as a bad thing. As a matter of fact, it was a walk-up call for me when I was six years old to get introduced to who is my creator and who God is and and what is it uh, that I was, you know, made for or made, what is my purpose in life? And I immersed myself in the teaching of Islam very early on. And you will see some pictures all over the book where I start memorizing the Quran, where I start, you know, fasting, when I was doing all of the teachings of Islam uh, to, to, the, to the core, you know, I was... I was a very nerdy Islamic uh, young kid and a young man. Uh, I know a lot of Americans, especially uh, a lot of people in the West, when they hear the term like Muslim Brotherhood uh, or, you know, some of the things your your father did, their mind immediately goes to the more radical forms of Islam. And that's not always fair. What was sort of oh, the, the, the oh, <laughs> you'll have to say that I'm not going to um, but what was I mean what was sort of the attitude you were raised in was it um, was it violent was it aggressive towards non-Muslims or was it more moderate um, you know the, the, the problem is actually we use terms that cannot be applied 100% the Islam, okay? So when we talk about radical, we, you know, in America, because of, I've been here for 18 years now, and, um, you know, the fairest shock I got in and understanding, here's the thing, in America, we are trying to walk the very, uh, you know, fine line to not to be offensive, but trying to make sense of things. And that's, and that's the problem that I think you know, people fall into trying to name things in a certain way. And, I, and why I'm saying all of that stuff, I don't know what the meaning of radical Islam. Like, I, I don't even know what that terms means. You know, um, a, a Muslim uh, has certain duties that is supposed to be doing done, and there is no diversion from that. If somebody is not practicing Islam to the teeth, this means that this person is not practicing Islam to the teeth. It doesn't make the person who's practicing it as it should be, uh, you know, is a radical one. And, and here is why also within Islam is different from Christianity and even Judaism. In Judaism, there was lots of reform movements, one after another, that resulted in formation of different kind of um, uh ways of practicing Judaism, whether you are, you know, Orthodox or ultra-Orthodox or a Reformed. In Christianity, we have 33, 33 
100,000 or something like that <laughs> denomination in the United States of America. And we have, you know, everybody asks what kind of religion you are, basically ask what kind of church you go to, if you're Methodist, Pentecostal, you know, what you are. All of that stuff, diversity and diversion in religion does not really exist in Islam. Uh, and, and, and Muhammad, the founder of Islam, preached about that big time. And, and, and preachers still today, the, the pillars of the preachers of Islam, including my father, or Al-Azhar University, which is located in Egypt, or even in Saudi Arabia, kind of a religious institution, all of them um, accepted the idea that Islam is preached and taught and practiced in one certain way and not in a diversity. If somebody is not practicing, then they are sinners of Islam, but, but not there is no different kind of uh, mosques that you will find a very uh, reformed mosque and, and, and very radical mosque and all of that stuff. Sorry for, you know, taking so long. No, it's okay. No, it's an interesting... But, but I, I really wish people to understand the difference between, between, you know, we are trying to make sense of things and trying to put names on it, but it doesn't really exist in reality. I think the, the connotation that when we say radical, we mean violent. Uh, and I, it's interesting that you say that there's not the variation. I mean, there's Sunni, there, there's Shia, uh, there's Wahhabism. Uh, there's there's a lot of different uh, forms of Islam, are, are there not? And some of them advocate violence where others take it as more of a, an allegorical position instead of actual I, violence, right? Am, am I wrong in that? Um, I cannot tell you wrong. I have to... <laughs> So, uh, you know, so you can have me again. So the first part of your, you know, your assessment is right. There is Shiite and there is Sunni. But Wahhabism is not a different form of Islam. So I agree with you that there is a group of Muslims called Shiite Muslims and there are Shia, Shiite Muslims and Sunni Muslims. That is true. Wahhabism is part of the Sunni Islam. Right. Wahhabism is not a different version of Islam. Wahhabism is following a very old school in Islam. It's called, you know, Abu Hanifa, which is like not really a different version of Islam whatsoever. And all the schools within the Sunni all adhere to the same thing. So what is the difference between the two? Here is the thing that people don't understand. The difference between Shiite and Sunni and anything you mentioned, even Wahhabism and different schools, is basically political changes and differences and not into the core of religion. So every Muslim knows that they have the five pillars of Islam, which is they have to, to, to confess that Allah is the only God and Muhammad is the only prophet. Mm -hmm. Everyone has to pray and they pray in a certain way, in the same direction and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. All of them agree on almost, not almost everything except the difference between the Shiite and the Sunni is in the political formation of Islam. Even they do not disagree on the, the connotation of, of political part of Islam. They don't. Both of them agree that Islam is a political movement and a religious movement intermingling with each other. The only difference between Shiite and Sunni is basically one thing. The Shiite believes that the head of the Islamic State it has to be from the bloodline of Muhammad. Right. And the Sunni believes that whoever is most capable should be doing that. So that is also confusing to some people. And somebody says, Sufi, you know, I want people to know today one thing. The head of the Muslim Brotherhood, the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood 
has been a Sufi Muslim all his life. Some people try today to say, I'm a peaceful Muslim, I am a Sufi Muslim. That, that does not make sense whatsoever. It might make sense to Americans, it makes sense to people who wants to believe something that's not true, but the reality is Sufism means being myst mystical, means being humble, but does not change the facts of how to practice the religion, the attendance of the religion altogether. So are you suggesting that all of Islam believes that Islam should be instituted by force? No, not really. Uh, no, no, I didn't mean, mean that either. See, you know, the idea of making a political movement does not always have to use force to implement it, okay. right? Okay. You know, look at the American example. You know, we had and the American Revolution. It was, it has to be a, a, a revolutionary war to establish the United States of America. And since then you have political parties and now we end up having two political parties. They duke it with each other, but they don't have to be violent with each other. Yeah. So connotation of being political does not mean that you always have to have the sword, okay. but always you are hunger for power and you are working very hard to establishment superiority and power over others. Okay, good, good. I like the clarity of that. Um, and, and I wish you would tell the, some of the people in the streets around election time that they don't have to be violent in America either to win an election. <laughs> that's that's an design. Okay, <laughs> let's get back to, I hope to show people your book again. It is called The Apostate. It looks like this. It's Dr. Mark Christian's story. And let's get to the part where uh, you not only got the name change, but you got the heart change. Uh, when did Jesus Christ become even a thought to you? Uh, very interesting. So actually, you know, you're asking very good questions and intriguing questions. So let me let me take you back to my life again when I was a kid. So I'm I'm this very religious young kid. So you ask about when was the first time I was introduced to Jesus. So I'm going to this British school, English school, and it was founded by the British when Egypt was a colony. And it's kind of a very unique school where there is Christians and Muslims and, and Christians have a little bit of some rights. Uh, to practice their own religion in a excluded room. And, and I, I go into the story in more details in the book. Sorry for, you know, I don't want to no, take too yeah, much, I but I want to set the stage sure. to understand. Sure. So my first time introduced is a conversation. I'm this very strong Muslim religious kid. And this kid is a Christian. He's a good friend of mine. And he was relaxed. So he, I was intrigued by how much he is happy uh, about his practice of religion for the next hour in his in the time of religion in, in, in school. And by the way, there is no separation and there is no, uh, you have cannot take the Bible out of school like we like we do in United States. <laughs> yeah. Religion is an mandatory in, 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 in studying in Muslim countries. And they even Christian kids have to study the Quran, have to study the Islamic history and so forth. Hmm. Anyway, so I was intrigued so much by his ease and his happiness and his joy. So I had to sneak in, you know, to go and look at his, the classroom where Christians go and caught my eye uh, as I speaked into the room where it was locked from a small window that on the board it says Allah or God is love, Allah, Allah Mahabba, which is God is love. Mm -hmm. And I was intrigued by that statement and that maybe that was my first introduction. But you know, when I saw that, my immediate response is, I don't want to see this anymore. I cannot accept the fact that somebody can say God is love and all of that stuff. It's just blasphemous for me to, to mention that. Okay. So how did I actually coincide with this later on and to be a follower of Jesus Christ? That's a very long journey. And my journey uh, goes from the time when I was, 
you know, uh, accepted in medical school. And I had a gap year where I had so much time on my hand before I really start my medical studies. And at that time, I wanted to invest all of that time to be the best Muslim preacher ever existed on earth. You know, my dad is a preacher and he has all of this notoriety that people knows about him and so forth. And I thought, you know what, I would be better than him. And he is very good in preaching to Muslims. I thought, you know what, I will take Islam to the Christians and the Jews and the non-believers, and I will dig into the history and the theology of Islam so I can level anybody who's going to debate with me about Islam. I'm going to be the one who's going to bring the masses to Islam. So <laughs> I should be sitting next to you right now and telling you, you know, you should leave your faith and follow Islam. That was my intention. When I started digging into the theology and history, this is when I could not actually keep myself from being skeptical myself. And, and one of the things is I wanted to, show, to see if Muhammad, the founder of Islam, is truthful. Is he, uh, you know, honest in his, you know, uh, the, the stuff that he talks about? And uh, I was faced by the fact that Muhammad was not able to answer his critics at the time of his living. So how can I do that nowadays? And, and there is a long journey, long answers, and long questions and stuff like that in that part. I can go on if you want me, but... I, no, I, I think it's interesting. I, I guess, so I understand that this was an intellectual journey for you initially. I'm curious about when it became a heart issue because it's not... You know, it, it, we use our minds. We should use our minds. Uh, I'm, I'm an advocate of reasoning, but there has to be a, that rebirth, you know, that spiritual rebirth. I'm curious how you got to that point. Um, it, it has always been both. Uh, I, am a, I am wired to be skeptic. I'm mm -hmm. wired to be, to be questioning. You know, it's like uh, me too. Uh, Thomas, Thomas in the Bible, show me the wound. Uh -huh. I'm going to put my finger. It's not even seed. I'm going to put my own finger into the, into the hole. I, I think I'm wired that way. And this, the whole book is about people who are like me. Who, But spiritually, I can answer your question is, when you make the decision to follow Jesus Christ, then Jesus will reveal himself to you, mm. okay? So you can come to Jesus by intellect. And I actually, you know what, when you look at even Jesus showing himself up to his disciples early on, he brought himself in a very real way. He taught them how to fish, even though they have been fishers all, fishermen all their life, <laughs> you know? So I, I think I, you know, when I start reading the Bible later on, I start seeing that my story manifests itself in the Bible and as everybody else, you know, all of us um, are having those doubts, you know, and we can take a spiritual journey or an intellectual journey. At the end of the day, Jesus reach out to us and we reach out to him and we have to accept that gift. And as soon as that kind of click takes place, then all your spiritual you know, experiences will start to explode in your life and to understand how does it look like to be a, a follower of Christ and how to be in Christ and how your life is going to be changed and how everything turned into be a blessing, even if it's a test, how that test and how this hardship actually looks like a blessing when you are a follower of Christ. What, what, what was that moment for you? What, what was your click moment? What did that look like? The, the, when, when I change, yes. it's an interesting thing actually for me. So, you know, in the, in the book, I'm talking about an incident that is off of incident where it was attack on my life and I'm about to be killed by my own family. And in the back of an ambulance, I, you know, I was so desperate and so mad and so bitter that I made the decision to follow Jesus Christ. 
um, I I was already I was already, and you know my my even my my uh, Randy my 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 prayer to follow Jesus was different from the the, the great one says Jesus yeah. I follow I submit myself I actually said Jesus I want to follow you I'm gonna follow you even if you're wrong even if you're gonna lead me to hell <laughs> okay I'm telling Jesus even if you're gonna lead me to hell I'm gonna follow you because you are the God of love that I wanted desperately at this moment in my life, battered and, you know, and wounded and injured and, and, and I needed some hope. And, and this is how I follow Jesus, actually. It's, it's different from, yeah, yeah. Well, I wish I, mean, I have a better answer to you, but I'm going to tell you the truth. You know? Yeah. So. I mean, it's almost out of spite for your family, but, it, but at some point that has to become real. Otherwise it would fade. Oh yeah, absolutely. After that, yeah. as soon as you make, this is what I'm saying. As soon as you make the decision, it is going to be a journey of doubt and asking questions and all that kind of stuff. But then really, you know, this is what, when I sometimes share Jesus with people and tell them, Hey, you know, follow Jesus. I say, try Jesus for one day. And if he changes your life, then follow him for the second. And if it is, then do it a week, do it a month. And, and I don't want you to make it because, because I know for sure, if you try it for one, you know, you can return him if you want to, but I can tell you what, he will never return you and you will never return him. This is, this is my own experience. I approach it differently yeah. because this is my own experience. You know, I, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. And as soon as I made the decision to follow Jesus, the, the fountains of blessings, not, not, not from a perspective of prosperity and everything is going great, but actually acceptance and understanding the reason of your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it kind of starts to become like a, like a veil has been removed out of your eyes and you start seeing who you are in Christ and why you are over here on this earth at this moment in time in history and what is your purpose and what is your future and where are you going to go. It is an unbelievable experience that you can only experience it when you make that decision. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and that's the beautiful well, part of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I get it. I mean, for a day or an hour and, and then see what happens. It, it, I mean, in, it, let's face it, it, in the United States, especially back when I was a kid, a lot of us decided to, and I did not, but a lot of people decided to become Christians purely out of fear of going to hell. And and, and that's, I don't know that, that and there's, that's just an incomplete part of it. And you see some of those that, that don't, you know, follow that the rest of their lives. Others, that's the starting point of the journey that you went on, where it becomes where you grow. You work out your salvation, and you know you actually are a new crea- uh, creation. I'm curious about the rest. I, I, of- I, if I interrupt you for a second, yeah. I was already in hell, and I wanted to get out of it. This is why I followed Jesus. Oh, wow. 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 So what was the rest of the fallout with your family, though, even to this day? It's a very interesting journey, but uh, <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah. Uh, you know, the relationship between me and family is very unique, especially with my father. You know, we are we have this kind of bond in a very interesting way, and he's still very strong uh, preacher. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I, there was ups and downs during the years. Um, and you know, when I start making the questions, you know, known to him, this is when we have a fallout, and mm. then definitely the time of. Uh, 2003, when about to be killed, was the biggest moment of, you know, problems with each other. But then later on, I, I made a phone call uh, in 2015 and tried to reach out to him. This is when Jesus starts working in my heart 
for maybe 10, 11 years. Mm. Uh, so I can remove all those bitterness and grow in him to understand the gift of forgiveness and understand the gift of love and, and to understand where people are coming from. And, and when they inflict pain on you, as a matter of fact, they are experiencing more pain than, than you are. Mm. And this is why they expose, you know, you know, they, they do this pain to you, not because, you know, evil, uh, you know, evil is, we all have one devil. It's one devil that is actually uh, creating all of these problems. And so I reach out to him. We have phone calls every now and then. We we talk superficially and so forth. So my relationship is uh, cannot be close. You know, here is the thing. You know, the title of my book. See, this is the biggest crime that any Muslim can commit. Mm -hmm. And every Muslim try their best to run away from it. Simply because the punishment for that you know, statement is death. And I reached the point in my life that I'm not afraid that I slap my face on it and put my name underneath it. <laughs> and I said, I am the apostate, come get me. <laughs> so, there it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and this is not a statement in your face. This statement actually is a conviction that I have that I'm, I'm a, I am, I am leaving earthly uh, fear and I'm throwing myself in the hand of the loving, caring, blessing God that will take care of me here and now and ever, and I'm not worried. I'm not fear fearful of anything. Wow. Do you do you get death threats to this day? Uh, every now and then, but I, I don't care about them. <laughs> I don't. I really don't. That might cause me to lose some sleep. I don't know. But <laughs> no, no. I, I she it did before, but right now I number one is we, we live in a great country. I, I really, you know, I am in debt to the United States of America. I love this country. Mm. And, you know, whether you like it or not, the, the fact of the matter is this is the safe haven has been for years for many people like me and others. And you will find that even in your, you know, bloodline, you know, your ancestor who came to the United States, they came over here because for multiple reasons, but because of the greatness of this country. So I feel safe in this country. This is why I want, I'm praying for this country on a daily basis. I'm trying to do whatever I can to keep it the way it is. So I'm enjoying this. Plus, the biggest thing ever is when you are in Christ, what are you fearful for? The Bible is telling us very clearly. You cannot. I cannot add a second to my life. Not the best doctor can do it. Nobody else can add a second or take a second away from your life. So my destiny is my destiny. Let us live it to the maximum. Let us proclaim who we are. Live it with joy. Let fear out of our life. And if it is our time to be Jesus, hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there, I have a saying on the program, deeper root produces better fruit. And so we try oh. to get those deep roots through the conversations we have here. And I can see the fruit of you doing the the hard work of, of rooting in Christ because you get the the, the forgiveness, the, you know, the bitterness is gone. Uh, you, you're not spiting your parents. You love your family. You, you love, love others, them. and you're not afraid. Uh, and so I, I can see the fruit, and, and it's because you did the work of really trying to reach down those, those roots. Let me ask you one more question. Um, how, do, how do Christians – approach or how should we view Muslims uh, not just in our country but around the world because a lot of Christians are just in fear uh, others have a real hatred for Muslims um, especially after 9-11 you know um, I don't think either of those are, are right how should we view Muslims uh, as Christians um. Very simple. Number one, the word fear should be taken out of every 
Christian life. That word fear has to go away. The second thing is, uh, let us follow the example of Jesus. How would Jesus look at Muslims? This is maybe the question. How did Jesus look at Muslims today? And the simple answer to that, you know, there was no Islam on the time of Jesus. Islam came, you know, hundreds of years after the, the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, but Jesus talked to the sinners and the people who follow false prophets and so forth. I, I would imagine Jesus look at Muslims with uh, a broken heart and a teary eyes for how much they are enslaved to the sin and living in this hardship uh, of, of, a, of, a, of a religious codes and, and duties and so forth. Um, so how can we approach Muslims? I think with love. I think th there is a recipe for me is very simple. Okay, we need to know our faith. We need to know who is our savior first. This is what we need to educate ourselves, immerse ourselves, have this spiritual journey inside ourselves and in, our, in, in, in the scripture to understand our faith very well, okay? Number two is we have to understand what Muslims believe in. And, as, and, and my book actually gives a very good idea about how Muslims live. You will, I will take you, I'm taking you on a journey of how did I live as a Muslim as a kid mm. and as a young man and what all the duties that I was supposed to do and all the fears that I had and all the shackles that I have from the sin and so forth. And then understand why Islam is not right. Because, because the, the main question is, is Muhammad is right or Jesus is right? And that is the question of the age that we live in. Because they cannot, there is no way both of them are right. So all of those people who are trying to say we worship the same God are wrong to the, to, the, to the core. We have to come to the conclusion to understand who is right and who is wrong and, and why. Mm. Okay, and, and this is also in the book you will find, why did I come to the conclusion that the message of Islam is wrong, is not factual, is not baseful, based on anything truthful, and it's not going to take you to hell. So bottom line again, to summarize that, take fear out of your life, grow in your own faith, understand what Muslims believe, and then try to build a relationship of love without compromise. This is the main thing. Do not compromise your faith. Yeah. Every time you compromise your faith in front of somebody else, then the other person looks at you as of a weak faith and a weak religion. Look at yourself as Peter. Mm. Jesus told Peter, do not deny me. Do not deny me. And he denied him three times. Let's stop it at three times. Let's stop denying our faith, our own faith. Let's st stand firm in our faith and understand what others believe. Follow the example of, of the Bible. When Paul was preaching to others and reaching to others, he was always talking by their own language, not only the language language, but actually their, their, their understanding of their own religion, what they believe in, what they practice, their understanding of salvation, how it looks like. And then he actually started poking holes in that to show that Jesus is the truth and everything that believe is wrong. Ooh, that is good. That is good. And I know there's so much more. That's why if you guys want to get, you know, more into uh, Dr. Mark Christian's life and background and some of the things he's learned and he's saying today, like you just heard, uh, the book is available. Um, but Dr. Christian, I appreciate your time. I appreciate your story. I do want to ask you one final thing, and that's because I want people to know about what you are doing today uh, as the executive director of this organization, Global faith that's at globalfaith.org and also the vice president of arabs for israel uh give us just a quick summary of the work that you continue to do well um as every christian should be confessing jesus every day and everything you do 
Um, I love this country uh, and I try to educate people how to uh, understand where our country is coming from and where it's going and what we need to do to keep it uh, the way it should be. Uh, and number two is understanding that Muslims are the very first very first victims of Islam and uh, advocate for those victims, advocate for how hard it is and how to reach out to love without compromise uh, and, and and continue doing this. I do this through events, speaking engagements. Uh, you know, we, we put uh, briefings, we, we work on a daily basis to reach out, to educate others what they do, to go to churches and try to equip them to be better. Today, we are living in the month of Ramadan. Okay, mm. and yesterday was the first time in Times Square that the whole Times Square in New York was taken over by a religious, you know, prayer for Muslims for the month of Ramadan. Okay, uh, this means that Muslims are taking advantage of freedom of religion we have and taking over the whole Times Square to show their faith and their their endurance and and their 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 belief and all of that stuff. What are we doing to help those Muslims understand that is what is the right way and what is the way to go to heaven? What are we doing to claim in our faith in Christ so we can raise uh, Jesus Christ in this country the same way that Muslims are doing and even more so we can actually understand you know, that this foundation and this country stands on what, and, and I believe it is on the teachings of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I love it. I uh, love it. And man, you see you see a bunch of people uh, facing east and praying, don't curse the darkness, light that candle, people. That's what we're here to do. We're here to be the light of the world, and Christ is the ultimate light, and we need to shine it. Again, Dr. Christian, I appreciate your time, appreciate your testimony, and the work that you continue to do. Thank you for taking the time to share it with our audience today. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate you guys hanging out. Be sure to check out globalfaith.org. And if you want to see, uh, read more about Dr. Christian's story, it's in his book, The Apostate, available now. We'll see you again next time right here on Life Today Live.